We are living in the last days. There are no doubts about that. We can see the fulfillment of the Bible right before our eyes. In fact, if not every month, every day, week, year, we see unfolding before us uh, that, that the scripture declares will point to the coming of the Lord. We are in perilous times when men have become lovers of themselves more than lovers of God. When they have taken on a form of godliness but have denied the power that goes with God, that is God. People today want to add a little Jesus to their life. They want to continue to live the way that they live and just add a little Jesus on the side and become religious. But religious will make you bitter. Religion will make you angry. Religious will, religion will leave you out. And you, you've got to have more than religion, but you've got to come into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And our culture is confused to think that they can live however they want to and then just put a little Jesus on the top. Our culture is confused about who God is. And it's not the fault of the world, it is the fault of the church. What we have seen coming out of our government and Supreme Court is this in particular as it affects us today, this week, is is a direct reflection of the climate of the church. Because if there is a strong church in a nation, huh? then it doesn't matter what government says. Government and all of the things that go along with it will line up with what the church is doing. I promise you that. Because while we are running around acting like we do not have any authority in the earth, the last I checked that the the king was subject to the priest. And so there is an authority that is greater than the Supreme Court. There is a Supreme God that sets high and looks low and he has authority over all things. And so while we, the church have been in our little cocoon doing our little thing and trying not to, to get anybody upset, not trying not to, to uh, cause anybody's feelings to get hurt. We have lost the culture and we have become a subculture instead of a counterculture. And the reality of it is, is God hasn't called us to be a wallflower church. He has not called us to, 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 uh, fit into the culture of the day, but he has called us to be a counterculture in this world that says we are like none other. We are like none other. And so what we have seen is a, a result, a reflection of the culture of the church. What, what is taking place in our nation is only a telltale sign upon the church. And so the church has to get back to a place. Judgment begins where? 
in the house of God. And so we cannot bring correction to that which we are guilty of ourselves. We cannot bring correction or direction to that when we ourselves have not allowed ourselves to go through the process of purification and bringing ourselves to a place. You see, whenever you know that you've got something in your life, you don't go pointing your finger at others. Amen. And so we, we in the church have allowed these things and now judgment must begin at the house of God so that we can get right. So that when we get right, what did the Bible promise? He said that he would revive us. Amen. On the second day, he would revive us. There would be a revival in the house of God. And then he said on the third day, he would raise us up. There would be an awakening that would take place. Now, revival and awakening are two different things. Revival is when we get right with God. An awakening is when the the city, the community, the nation, the world recognizes that there is a God in heaven that is in, in control of all things. But you see what we have allowed to happen today is we have allowed generational spirits to come into our church and into our life. What is a generational spirit? It is a prevailing mindset that works upon a person or people to create and generate a a, a thought or a particular worldview of what they think that the world is. And that worldview works through them and they move like a wave throughout society, reshaping everything they get their hands on and according to their worldview. If that's not what has happened, I don't know what has. Amen. But the Bible says, Peter says, save yourself from this wicked generation. There is a secular church and there is a spiritual church. There is a church that is peasing the opinions of people and the expectations of men that are only looking for the applause of people. But I want to tell you there is a spirit church. There is a church. He has always had a people. He has always had a body. He has always had somebody. He's had priests. He's had prophets. He's had kings. But he's also had a body after Acts chapter 3. Amen. We see that the church was established and he had himself a body in the earth and he still got a body in the earth today. And he is looking for them to not become like the world. He is not looking for them to metamorphosis into something uh, that the world would like to, uh, to be a part of. But he wants us to stand flat footed in the middle of this mess and declare that he is Jehovah. Over God and there is none beside him. Amen. He wants us to stand up in the middle of what is going on in our culture and say he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life, and no man comes to the Father but by him. He wants us to stand up in this generation and tell men and women, you must be born again. Amen. You can't just put a little Jesus on top like a cherry and make it all better. Huh? He says, I'm all or I'm nothing. You give me all or give me nothing. And there's not enough power in most churches today to combat the spirit of the day. Amen. 
and they've only comes by comes through prayer and through fasting and we need a supernatural power pastor eric uh, doing well with the children and that supernatural theme but we must have a supernatural move of god and it doesn't come through going through uh, all being a social club it doesn't come because we get the get the approval of men but it comes when we get on our knees and we begin to fast and we begin to pray and we seek the heart of god for a matter and as we do he empowers us with supernatural strength and ability and if there's ever a people that need a church in a city if there's ever a people that need a church in the world that has supernatural power it's in the world that we're living in today amen they don't need another social club they got the moose lodge for that they don't need somebody to pat them on the back and tell them oh it's all right and lied to them you can get lied to anywhere they need somebody in the middle of it to stand up with some authority and boldness and declare the word of the Lord and say the kingdom of God has come unto you amen and has made a difference in your life because you see I know the systems of this world want you to be politically correct amen But the problem with the church being politically correct is that God never called us to be political. Huh? He called us to preach. And so we preach his word. And so I don't give a rip about being politically correct. It isn't on my thought. It isn't, I don't, I don't plan messages. I don't pray and I don't get ready thinking, is this politically correct? My concern is, is it biblically and theologically correct? And if it's biblically and theologically correct, then it really doesn't matter because in the age in which we are living, we see these laws that are being made. We see the way that culture is going and you cannot no longer stand in the pulpit and preach the word of God and remain politically correct. Oh no, you've got to determine that I'm going to speak the word of the Lord. I'm going to speak the truth in love and I'm going to believe God for his power and his anointing to affirm his word in every heart and every life and so you see the problem with being politically correct is that it is anti-pentecost it is anti-church and if you start changing the bible then you'll become a false prophet yourself we are living in the times of daniel In Daniel 1, verse 5, And the king appointed them daily provision of the king's meat. Meat is doctrine. And the wine, which is drink, which is the spirit. And he appointed them to eat this doctrine. And the king appointed them daily provision, the king's doctrine, and drank his wine, which speaks of his spirit. The king had talented, he had these, all of these people that had great ability, but he would feed them what he wanted them to believe. Sound familiar? I told first service, so I just will tell you, it might do you well to turn off CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, 
and just get your Bible and start reading it. Because I'm not telling you don't re- watch the news. You can do what you want to. I'm not, I'm not into cultism. I ain't going to tell you all that. But I'm going to tell you this. They're going to only fill you with what they want you to believe about a thing. And so if they can speak it to you and you listen to it long enough, you'll take in the culture, the spirit of the day. They're feeding men the doctrine of the age. And they want to get us drunk on the wine. They want to get us drunk on the spirit of the age. Amen. Can I show you an example? I'm going to show you an example. The church... Now watch this. I'm not telling you it was right, but the church turned its back on a man. Uh, what was his name? Baker. Jim Baker. He didn't do the right thing, but the church turned their back on him for what a lot of people in the secular world do every day. Amen. But because the media told us what they wanted us to hear. Now every preacher is a crook. Now every preacher doesn't do the, they all steal. They all they want is your money, huh? It was a spirit that attached itself to America. And now people look at preachers and all they want is your money. All they want in their crook. But the reality of it is he never stole the money. He just misappropriated it. And there are people in businesses every day that do that and don't go to prison. How is it that it's all right to do that? Huh? I'm not telling you it's right to misappropriate funds. We do our very best. We do our very best. Amen. You give to something. I promise every dime you give goes to what you said it goes to. Amen. We don't do that. We don't play that. But what I'm trying to tell you is this, that the, the, the world told us this is what preachers are. And we swallowed it a hook, line, and sinker so that this culture now believes that all we are is a bunch of thieves. It's quiet up in here. You were amen and pretty good a while ago. The king, Nebuchadnezzar, he came in and he, to the church and he t- tried to teach to make it something that it was not. Why is it that so many people believe in God but don't belong to the kingdom of God? Why is it that, that, that we believe? It, you, you, you have to look long and hard to find somebody that says, I don't believe in God. But you have to look pretty hard to find someone committed to the God that they believe. Let me help you understand. I'm trying to tell you today that what we have to come to a conclusion and an understanding that this culture has made us, led us to believe that it's good enough to believe in God. But you don't have to belong to the church. You don't have to be involved in the kingdom. Huh? But you don't have to participate. Don't get so the world doesn't care if you come to church every Sunday as long as you don't get connected and believe it. Buy into it. Get involved in it. But I want to tell you that if I believe this gospel, I said if I really believe this gospel, then I understand that this world is coming as we know it to an end. 
and there is only a heaven and there is a hell. There is one way that we'll go. We're not going to go into some uh, place of isolation. We're not going to go into the, the abyss and, and just float around. We're either going to heaven or we're going to hell. Amen. And so if that is true and I believe that, then that alone pushes me to get involved in this kingdom because souls are dying and souls are being lost. And we need somebody that will tell them this is the way and point them to Calvary and show them the direction that the kingdom of God is going in. We, and if we really believe it, we wouldn't want people to die lost. We wouldn't want people just to patty cake us. I don't want to go to a doctor that I go and get a checkup and I've got cancer in me and he lied to me just so I'll feel better for a few days. No, I want him to be real. As frustrating as that would be, I want him to look me in the eyes and say, you've got sickness in your body that's got to get out. We've got to take care of this issue right here or it's going to destroy you. Oh yeah, but then we come to the church and we want people to patty cake and tell us it's all right. Oh no, I want somebody that'll tell me that sin will destroy you. I want somebody that'll tell me this right here. You've got to change it in your life because you cannot make it that way. Amen. See, we've got to come to an understanding that this is not a play. This isn't somewhere we go and we just uh, hold hands and sing kumbaya and somehow we'll all make it. Oh, no, you've got to come by the way of Calvary, baby. You've got to kneel down and call on the name of the Lord. You've got to ask him for forgiveness in your heart for the sin that you've committed. And whenever you ask him forgiveness, that means I'm turning from that way. I'm not going that way anymore I'm not going to do it any longer by his grace and his mercy I'm going to serve him we live in a nation that believes God but don't belong to the kingdom that don't belong to the church how is it Because when they came to the church on 9-11, they came to the church for three weeks. And three weeks following 9-11, they say that statistically there was more people in attendance in those three weeks than any time since the Great Depression. But they came to the church and they found out it was just another country club. That didn't have no power. That wasn't different, Jamie, than anywhere else they had been They just put a religious twist on it. But they didn't have anything to deliver them. They didn't have nothing to set them free. It didn't have anything that changed their lives. And so three weeks later, you couldn't find them any longer. The Bible says that the church is so powerful that not even the gates of hell can prevail against it. But yet, we don't release that power. We don't declare that power. We don't speak that power. So people that believe 
just believe but don't have anything to do with this kingdom. But you see, the problem with it is if you just believe, then you're on the same level as the devil. Because the Bible says he believes and trembles. But everybody knows he doesn't belong. And so we've got to come back to a place of saying more than I believe in God. But we've got to come to a place of having a relationship with God. Amen. And whenever we have a relationship with God, then he will change our lives. Amen. I believe today that God wants us to have the power in this last day. He is wanting us to see great and mighty miracles. He's wanting us to see signs and wonders. Amen. He's wanting to show himself real and powerful in this last day. But he's got to have a people. He cannot give his power to people that only believe. He can only instill his power in those who belong to his kingdom. You see, every ball team has a roster that it says that we've signed with you. We agree to play with you. We agreed to do with you what, where you go, we go. What Where you tell us to be, we'll be there because you can count on us. And that's what God is looking for today. He's looking for people that says, God, you can count on me. You can count on me to be in the house of the Lord. You can count on me to be a witness in the school, a witness on the street, a witness in the job. You can count on me to wherever you go, whatever you desire to do. I'm there. I'm ready and I'll do it for your kingdom. Amen. What the enemy wants to do is reach in and pull out of Judah all of those who skillful and wise and talented. Amen. So that we look like that we're just a bunch of folks that don't have nothing else and can't go nowhere. The image is the spirit of Babylon wants to build of the world. It's that the church is a bunch of dysfunctional people that are unstable. And the only reason they play in the church is because they can't make it in the club. That's the picture. The picture is they're not gifted and talented enough to sing or gifted and talented enough to do a thing in the world. So they just came over to the church. Huh? But that's a lie. God has some of the greatest gifted and talented people in the world that haven't sold out. Huh? They haven't sold out to the world. They haven't sold out to money. They haven't sold out to the things that that they're able to receive by prostituting their gift and their anointing to the world. But they have chosen that it would be better to be one day in the house of the Lord than to dwell a lifetime in the tents of the wicked. And so they have purposed in their hearts, I will serve the Lord. I will serve him with my gifts and my talents and my abilities. You got to be careful. Not to find a natural reason to exclude yourself from a spiritual move of God. 
well, we, I just not able to do this and I'm not able to do that. And, and I, I'm not talented. I'm not gifted. I can't sing. I can't do this. And all of those things add up to what you're saying is I can't be a part of the spiritual kingdom of God, but that voice is lying to you. Amen. God wants this last day church and it will be greater than any other season in his church because he said that it always starts out small and ends great. The end of a thing is better than the beginning of a thing. The latter house is always greater than the former house. It always gets greater. It never decreases. It always increases. Amen. And God is intensifying his anointing in this last day because we're dealing with industrial strength devils today. Amen. And we need the anointing to destroy yokes and bondages off of people's lives. Unclean spirits have to go. Amen. These dominating, tormenting spirits that get upon people's lives. It isn't good enough just to come and sing some good songs, listen to a message and go back out and allow that demon gone spirit to get on you and torment. No, he isn't a God that just gets you up so you can feel good on Sunday morning for an hour and a half. No, he has come to set you free from every bondage, every habit, every addiction, every tormenting spirit that is ever come against you praise God this is not the day of the son of men this is the day of the sons of God amen and your flesh is unimportant your background is unimportant your zip code is unimportant all that matters is is you are a child of the king and if you're a child of the king he will use you he will equip you he will empower you to do great and mighty things in his kingdom amen The sons of men have had their day. All three, all all ethnic groups can be traced back to three sons of Noah. And each one of them have had their opportunity for 2,000 years. Each people group has had their opportunity. It, It led up to the sixth day, which is the sixth day is the number of man. But now we are not living in the sixth day any longer, but we are living in the seventh day, which is the day of the spirit. And there is only one race of people and that have not had the authority or the place on this planet. And that is the holy race. Amen. And we have been called out of every tribe and every kindred and every tongue. And he has brought us together in this seventh day that we will not be defeated. It doesn't matter. Black skin, white skin yellow skin it doesn't matter it's about the blood of Jesus Christ and that blood has covered us and it has raised us up in this generation in this hour not to be the laughing stock of a nation but to raise us up like sword like David for such a time as this to look at that spiritual giant in the eyes and say the same God that delivered me before is the same God that's going to deliver me now 
I've got overcoming power. I've got the Holy Spirit living on the inside of me. I've got the blood of Jesus on me. I've got angels for me and the Holy Ghost in me. And greater is he that is in me than the world that comes against me. So today the giants are going to fall. The principalities are going to come down. The lying spirits have got to back up. And the kingdom of God is about to arise in this hour. The Bible said that the earth is in travail waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Amen. It's groaning, it's travailing, it's waiting for the sons of God to take their place. If you weren't here Wednesday night, I'll tell you it doesn't have to do with gender. It has to do with relationship. But he said, if you would just understand that this earth is not waiting. We're we're saying, well, we're waiting on God, but we're not waiting on God. God is waiting for the sons and the daughters of God to get in their position and in their place so that he can give them the authority and the power to do a thing in the earth. The earth is in travail, but God releases his word into the earth and 6,000 years ago. And now the travailing of the waiting on the sons and the daughters of God to rise up this holy race. Amen. We're coming into a spiritual dimension in in this world where that we're going to see the glory of God. The Bible said the knowledge of the glory of the Lord shall cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Now listen here, folks. You can get your mind wrapped around all the negative. You can get your mind around and you can get so engulfed with the trouble and all the difficulty and everything that the enemy is doing in the world and you'll get so overwhelmed that the world will get so big and your God will get so little. But let me tell you what he told us to do. He said gross darkness shall cover the earth but he said arise and shine for the light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. I want to tell you today yes gross darkness is all around us but I'm telling you right in the middle of it that he said I created you I put you in the earth for such a time as this and I'm if you arise and you're gonna shine and my glory is gonna be on you in such a way that darkness is gonna have to flee I tell you if there's ever an hour that the American church needs to rise up it's in the hour in which we live today he need we need some light in a dark place. We need light in our school. We need light in the workplace. We need light in Walmart. My God, we need some light in the church where we can see the darkness dissipate and the glory of the Lord will rise upon us. He's not waiting. We're not waiting on him. He's waiting on us and it will rise. He'll be faithful to shine and his glory will be revealed. People today need to see the way to Calvary. Huh? The day of parades of flesh are over. We need to see the glory of God. Every generation must have their own move of God. Amen? Said every generation must have their own move of God. And this generation is yet to see the manifest glory. And they don't believe. Because they haven't ever seen it. 
But I refuse by God's grace. I refuse to pastor a church where there's no manifest power of God. I've seen it. I've seen it for myself. I've seen the miraculous. I've seen the blind eyes open, the deaf hear. I've seen the crippled walk. But there's a generation coming behind us that's going to be talked out of truth because they haven't never seen no manifestation of it. And we need the the church to rise up in this hour, not only for ourselves, not only for our nation, but for generations that are coming behind us. We're living in the most violent generation that's ever lived. Young people don't care to kill and take a life. It don't even, they don't even cross their mind the second time. And the violence inside of them, they don't understand. But I've told you this before, and I believe it more today than I ever did. The violence in them is not to to destroy one another. The violent and the militant spirit in them is in them so that they can fight the good fight of faith. So that they're not ashamed to declare the goodness of God. You see, they're an extreme generation and they're not even afraid of death itself. But I want to tell you today that they must have a God encounter. I said they must have a God encounter. You know why man is willing to live so wicked? You know why man is willing to to go through life and and, and only have, uh, just go to church but never have a change in their life? It's because they haven't had a God encounter. I've never been addicted to anything that I'm aware of. But I understand how, uh, the, by talking to people that have been delivered from drugs, how that it's the pool is trying to get that high, trying to get there one more time. But I want to tell you today that whenever you've tasted of God, he's better than heroin. When you've tasted of God, he's higher, amen, than crack or whatever you're smoking, snorting, or drinking. Boy, how do I know that? Because there is no high like the most high. He is El Elyon, the most high God, amen? And so I understand that today. But whenever you taste of him and see that he is good, you've got, you see his glory, you see the manifest presence of God, and nothing in this world will ever fill that void. Nothing in this world will ever feel the hunger that is in your life when you've tasted of his goodness and his mercy you desire him David said as a deer pants after the waters brook yet my soul longs after you oh God he had a hunger and a passion in him for the things of the spirit you must have an encounter with the glory The presence of God, you must pass from death unto life. You must be born again. Your life must be changed. Amen. Some people say, well, pastor, I'm just conservative. I'm not emotional. 
and I, you know, and it's all good for everybody else to do that. But, but I just, I'm just not like that. I, I'm just conservative. No, you're spiritually dead. You're just spiritually dead. And the only thing you need is to come back to God. Get a fresh glimpse of his glory. And you'll start praising him. Amen. And I'm going to tell you today that we've got churches full of dead people. Spiritually dead. Going through the motions, the rigors of religion, but they can't even praise God. Don't have no worship. Don't have no thanksgiving. How can God, how can you say that you know God and have a relationship with God? Understand where you were. He brought you out of a horrible pit. Set your feet up on a solid and a firm foundation. Brought you out of all the junk you were in. Put your name in the Lamb's book of life. Made you a partaker of his divine nature. Filled you with his joy, his peace in your life. And then you act like he ain't never done nothing for you. Oh, the devil is a liar. Amen. Just know that your name has been written and it'll cause you to lift your hand. It'll cause you to open your mouth. It'll cause you to give him some kind of praise because you were bound in outer darkness when he found you and he brought you out of that mess. You were on your way to hell, but he turned you in your trajectory of your life and now you're headed for heaven. Praise God. I want to tell you that will make you praise him. And the only way you couldn't praise him is because you're spiritually dead. Amen. This generation is on a collision course with the glory of God. Everything looks dead. Everything, it looks like of godliness is being destroyed. But I'm God said I'm getting ready to show this generation my glory. <laughs> Can I show you one example? Then we'll go to the house. Thank you, brother. I thought I was going to have to do it without any approval. <laughs> Amen. Lazarus was Jesus' friend, had a relationship, not just believing, but belonged, had a relationship. And the Bible said he sent word to him and he stayed where he was for two more days, right? And he died. And Lazarus represents this generation that we are in today, that everything around us is so sick. And everywhere you look, there is sickness and death and nobody knows what to do about it. Huh? Drug addiction, racism, educational system, political system, money, family under crisis. Huh? Everywhere you look, we see nothing but death and sickness. But Lazarus is from Bethany, and Bethany means the house of poverty. 
And God said, I don't need to bring you out of Bethany to bless you, but I can bring you a greatness out of nothingness. And so he speaks to him and says that there is, don't have to be something good. You can be right in the house of poverty. I want to tell you today that right in the middle of the mess we're in, God can bring greatness out of it. He can show his glory and his power. He tells us Lazarus' name means he whom God has helped. And so we got Lazarus here. The one who God has helped is dead. But now Jesus comes four days later after everyone counts them out. Can I tell you that they've already counted us out in America? They say that only 2% of the next generation will serve the Lord. They say there will be no need for a church in America any longer in this next generation. They've counted us out. They say we're dead. They say we're irrelevant. They say that we don't have anything to do with the culture of the day. Just like Lazarus, they counted him out and they said he is dead. They wrapped him up quickly and they put him into a tomb. But let me tell you, that even though the world system had given up on him Jesus knew how to resurrect him and I believe today I believe it today Ralph I believe that God's not finished with his church in America I believe that God has a remnant he has a people that he is going to raise up in this last day and even though the world system has wrapped us up with all of these lies and all of the systems of the day and have pushed us back in a cave corner and said don't you dare come out I hear the master calling I hear one calling amen (laughs) hallelujah I hear him calling amen that same one that called Lazarus come forth is about to step on the scene of America and he's going to speak into that dead cold tomb and he's going to say church I said church come out because your bone of my bone your flesh of my flesh I've got a purpose for you my glory is going to be in you I'm going to reveal myself in this last day oh yeah the world wants to count us out the news wants to say we're irrelevant but God has us here for a purpose he has us here for a reason and in this last day he's going to fill us with his glory and his glory is going to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea oh somebody praise him right here today So I want to say to you today, don't lose heart, don't give up, don't faint, don't back up, don't quit, but stay steadfast, unmovable in the faith because the glory is coming. I told you the other week, I heard it before I went to Honduras, I heard a greater glory is coming. I heard it in my car, a greater glory is coming. I heard it on the airplane, there's a greater glory coming. When I got there, I heard there's a greater glory coming. For two months, it's ringing in my spirit there's a greater glory that is coming glory to God I don't know about you but I'm not going to give up I'm not going to quit I'm going to be a component of his glory covering the earth as the waters cover the sea because we are the Lazarus generation (laughs) I've come to tell you resurrection power is coming to the church. Amen. Get ready because whenever it reaches the church, we're not just going to stop at the church. 
we ain't going to stop at his house, but we're going to go to the crack house. And then we're going to move on over to the White House. And then we're going to move over to Hollywood. And the kingdoms of this world shall become the kingdoms of our God and his Christ. Hallelujah. I'm telling you that we're not living in times whenever we just hide back and cower down. But we're living in the greatest hour of the church. The greatest hour of the church is right before us. How do I know that? Because I can read his word. And his glory is going to be revealed in you. Amen. I said his glory is going to be revealed in you. So on this Sunday morning, I just come to encourage somebody and tell them, I know you've been hearing a lot of stuff, but I want to tell you like Paul Harvey, the rest of the story. Because darkness can only endure for the night, but joy comes up in the morning. Hallelujah. I said joy, great joy, wonderful joy comes up in the morning. Hallelujah. And so today, wherever you are and whatever you've been through, maybe you're here today and you say, you know what, Pastor Brian, I've been one of those that just add a little Jesus to my life. Why don't you just change that up and be, let him be your life. Let him be your life today. And if you allow him to be your life today, your life will change forever. Amen. If you're here today and you say, you know what, I, 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 I don't have that glory. I'm dead. I'm spiritually dead. You got to be honest with yourself to talk like that. But I'm spiritually dead and I need him to strengthen me. I need him to speak life into me. Huh? If that's you, I want you to be honest with yourself because if you lie to yourself, you'll lie to anybody. And if you're just here today and you say, Pastor Brian, I just want to be a part of his glory. Why don't you just do something today to represent that I'm a part of his kingdom. I'm not just believing, but I'm belonging to it now. I'm going to be a part of this last day move of his spirit. Huh? Amen. Stand with me this morning.